Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection. Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. And 45 in the morning. It's Monday the 5th of August and we're still alive. We're doing all right. We're doing okay. We're doing okay. Uh, if it record, um, yeah, it's the first. It's the first Monday. So it's Black Monday, isn't it? Is, it? is this Black Monday? Is this when the two for one stop? Is that yeah, why? I think black? it's when it starts. Ah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. okay. You've been coming yes. here for how long now? I don't know. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a performer, so I don't worry about ticket sales. Oh yeah, that's fair. Pe- people What's either, that like? Pe- people <laughs> e- either listen to what I do or they don't. And yeah. I, I, it doesn't really bother me either way. Oh god, that must be nice. <laughs> There's no pressure at all. Genuinely, I, 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 I was talking to another performer the other day and they were like, oh, I'm really worried about not breaking even. And I was like, I'm really worried about not having enough attention over the month. <laughs> like, th- the money matters, but the attention is the more key thing for me. You know? You know, I had a meeting uh, yesterday with, there was a radio producer, there were some techies, various other people. The only people that weren't represented around the table at this lunch were performers. Mm. And we, oh, we, what a surprise. And we were joking. It's like, actually, we're they're the only ones getting paid here aren't we because the performers aren't mm. you know even performers that are doing very very well mm. may break even may make a hundred pounds mm. you know it's uh, there's, there's very little in it for them and it really we say this every year it needs to be addressed hello and welcome to the ask the industry podcast episode 130 i'm comedian simon kane and for those of you new to the show this is the podcast where i interview the most influential people from the worlds of stand-up comedy radio and today podcasting and comedy reviewing Martin Walker is the former editor and head reviewer at Broadway Baby and Scott's Gay. He now makes his living interviewing comedians for his podcast-turned-radio show, On The Mic. We talked about why he stopped reviewing, his thoughts on what makes a good and bad reviewer, how to get a review at the Edinburgh Fringe, the common mistakes comedians make when doing their own PR, the cost of doing the Fringe and how this is impacting the diversity of the acts coming up, left versus right-wing comedy, what he prefers to watch and why, and so much more. This was a very rich and in-depth chat that I'm sure both of us said something things that not everyone is going to agree with, from why he would have Louis C.K. on his radio show, to why he thinks there should be less stand-up on TV, to how quotas damage the arts. I think there's loads of talking points in here, and what I'm really enjoying about the last couple of episodes I've been putting out have been the openness and honesty of all the guests, 
to be able to express themselves and their views about how they see the industry both in a historical and a future sense. This episode was recorded at Sweet Venues a few days into the Edinburgh Fringe 2019 and even though we're only four or five days in you can hear the pressures and opinions piling up from both myself and Martin. I really hope you enjoy this. Before I hit play I want to quickly flag that I am doing Perth and Adelaide next month that's February 2020 and Wellington slash Dunedin in March 2020 with my award-winning sellout five-star review 2019 show every room becomes a panic room when you overthink enough if you live in any of those cities or live nearby and can get there or know people that do please tell them about the show please forward on the links to some friends their links are all in the show notes I won't bother doing all the dates because no one wants to hear that right now but if you can support me that'd be great it's my first time out in Australia I've got loads of podcasts planned when I'm out there any support you can offer would be massively appreciated as this is one of the biggest things that I've ever taken on in my comedy career I'm also doing my second London-based dog-friendly comedy night at the Bloomsbury Theatre next weekend. It's Saturday the 18th of January. It's from 6 to 8pm. You can bring your pup and watch some of the best comedians do their joke. If you click the link in the description, you can see who's on the lineup. I, at the time recording, do not have it confirmed, but I do have some amazing names that I've spoken to and have penciled in for that one. Um, if you have a little look in there. There might also actually be the ticket links for the April and May shows, uh, and I've managed to sort out the headliners for those. Uh, I've got Sindhu V on in April and I've got Sarah Pascoe in May so if you would like to come and see them performing with their dogs please come and bring your dog some of the profits are going to be going to Batsy Dogs Home so it's just a lovely a lovely community spirited gig where we all get to enjoy lovely comedy and lovely dogs two of my favourite things in the world I'm also before <laughs> I did say it'd be quick but here we go I'm also doing three dog friendly shows at the Glasgow Fringe I won't actually be there because I'll be as I said in Australia and New Zealand but I'm getting my good friend Kimmy Loughton to take the reins for those shows the lineups should have all been sorted by this point um so please don't email in and ask me for a spot just yet uh but it's on every sunday of the festival the 15th 22nd and 29th so if you would like to get a ticket for that and bring your dog down to watch some comedy in glasgow that's the best place to do it it's at the dry gate from 5 to 7 p.m every sunday of the glasgow comedy festival right if you're new here please don't forget to hit that subscribe button if you're old here please do remember to give us an honest ideally positive review in itunes and either way please don't forget to join the facebook group it's called rc industry podcast and it's on facebook obviously but for now this is martin walker oh yeah definitely definitely i think the the problem is that performers uh, exactly what i just said there they they want to perform more than they like the money side of it and as much as the money side is important it it, uh, it's a really weird one because the minute you start to tell people oh my main goal is breaking even or making a profit there's this vibe around you of like oh your money grabbing or you're selling (laughs) out all that sort of stuff it's it's such a weird or it might be or it might be that you can come from a working class background you don't have a lot of money and you actually need to make some money to break even during august to be able to do it at all and what worries me is that we get hearing fewer and fewer working class voices as they're mm. being priced out. Oh, completely. There's um, uh, Best in Class this year, the um, mm-hmm. the, the showcase with um, Sean Davies, isn't it? She runs that. Yes. And it's, uh, she's doing great work with that because yeah, yeah. I think it's really offering a lot of working class comedians to come up but also like to, to cross-promote their shows yes. in a way that I think would have been harder just if, if, they, if they couldn't do a compilation and, you know, sort of exit flyer together. I, I know That's what you mean. Right. I think I think a lot of people are getting priced out. Yeah. Like, and I, I I wouldn't call myself working class. I, I, I don't know where I'd put myself, to be honest with you. It's a weird situation. <laughs> but I think, yeah, it's pricing me out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and I'm... I'm I, I do... I'm a writer, so I, I do all right in yeah, terms yeah. of 
you know, m money throughout the rest of the year. But this year has been very expensive. And I mean, you're, you're only here for a week, you said? I'm, I'm popping up and down. I'm popping up and yeah, down. Yeah. Um, I, I was initially supposed to be only here for a week, but, you know. Yeah, you're going to be here all week month. <laughs> <laughs> There's lots of kids shows. You can be a kid to kids shows. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, it's great. Where else would you want to be on the planet? Yeah. This is the thing. This is <coughs> the thing. While comedians and everybody else are prepared to come up here and work for next to nothing or work their asses off. Can I swear, by the you way? You can swear what you want. I, and work their asses off and, um, and make a loss. Then people will carry on doing it. And, mm. you know, it, it's not until people actually start saying enough is enough that, you know, things aren't going to change, are they? I agree with that up to a point because, like, so I... I I mean, this is nothing new. I was going to ask you about, but <laughs> yeah. I'm, I've been working on a petition to sort out to, to get basically our voices, performers at the table mm -hmm. of when they're doing legislation up here for properties. So we don't want to dictate anything because we mostly don't live here. Like the majority of performers aren't based in Edinburgh, so a lot of them aren't even based in this country. So it's not it's not that. I just think Edinburgh Fringe should be representing us at these conversations. Yes. And Andy Whiteman, for example, who you know is changing a lot of legislations and for the better in a lot of ways. You know, like I think local people should have the ability to not have an endpoint on their tenancy. I wish that was a thing in London, to be honest with you, for for people that live there. But for short-term people like us, it's it's causing a lot of hassle. And it's, it's going to be more and more difficult, isn't it? Next, yeah. next year, that that's going to really kick in and tenant, you know, people, landlords aren't going to be able to, to find the tenants for a month. No, you know? no. And I, and I don't think they should, but I also don't, I, I think they're not thinking about the fringe and, and at this current stage, I don't know, it's it's make or break for a lot. I mean, you know, I came closer than I've ever come last year to breaking even. And this year, the, so humble brag. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. When I say closer, it still wasn't close. Um, but you know what I mean? Like it gets less, the debt gets less every year. Um, but the but the but, but the point is is that my flat my flat tried to charge me three times what they normally charge me yeah. this year yeah. and for it to go so it's normally a grand for it to go to that to three is gonna cripple me finally it's yes. just not gonna happen yes. yes you know and you know especially with my lack of care of money apparently um, you <laughs> really? know it's, yeah no it's definitely not a lack of care but um, but it, w what do you do what do you do as a performer and 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 there's no way of addressing it because um, I mean I've tried to get equity on board and mm. they've been let's say they've been there for the conversations but they're they're currently not they wanted me to launch under my name and I was like um, you're the union mm -hmm. I'm the individual I'd mm -hmm. like to be protected that's mm -hmm. the point which was a weird one although that wasn't the over there was only one person who felt like that and uh, yeah so I, I don't really I worry I worry about the festival and I, I, so I rang that's my point so I rang up the Fringe Central and I said what if I got all the major venues to sign a thing to say we will boycott it next year if, if comedians are not supported they laughed they literally laughed on the phone and went you're not going to not come though are you so I agree with your point but I don't think I think if, if I didn't come because I was holding a stance someone would fill that space yeah the fact is that more and more people come here every year not mm. less and while more and more people are coming then more and more it's going to be charged as property gets more and more scarce mm. yeah it's um i don't know how it's all going to end we'll see no. it's still the best place in the world to be i mean we're still August, that's the yeah. problem we're still <laughs> you know we're still going to be i think i think camping is probably an option for next year <laughs> i've i've heard people camping i've heard i've got my friend jim he's living in glasgow and coming over every day yes, genuinely yes yes it's, it's crazy but yes. it's only an hour which yeah. is less than a London commute, I suppose. Yeah, but you could stay in Fife or something just over the fourth road, but you know. Oh, just I had a look yeah. at Fife. That's quite expensive. Glasgow's yeah. quite. Yeah, Glasgow Glasgow's cheap. Okay, yeah, but Fife's quite expensive. So was I looked at Aberdeen just because I did a preview there and I wondered how much it would cost to stay there. It's a bit of a distance from Edinburgh there. Oh, a yeah, bit of a trek from the loft bar. At yeah, night. but I was looking at. This is why we're talking about it. I don't stay out late anymore. <laughs> it's, just so, it's so nicer to have your, your evenings, you know? Oh, wow. 
Okay, so you're you're a reviewer. No, or would you still call yourself? Because you have been for many. Yes, many. Years. That's my background, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so how would you how would you label what you do now? I guess I'm a co-host, straight producer of a radio show. That's what I'm doing now. Okay. There is a little bit of reviewing in there, but it's mm. mostly interviews. I just want to keep the whole thing positive. Okay. You know, having just <laughs> slagged off. <laughs> well, yeah. in terms of the uh, in terms of the performers, anyway, mm. I think I think there are enough people bashing the performers. The performers are getting very little out of this in, in many ways, certainly financially. So it's a way of bigging up the fringe, bigging up the comedians mm. at, at the fringe, really. Yes, a few reviews, but only the positive stuff you know mm. if, if i see something that's not very good i'll just won't mention it well that, that's it because there's been there's a few smaller publications that will only publish it a, a four or five star if, yeah. if they, you know they'll see other things yes. but they'll only publish it four and five and i always wonder whether that's damaging than good because to an outsider who maybe doesn't know that's all they're publishing it might look like they're just being overly liberal with the stars yeah kind of stars inflation that's true but as long as they're explicit about what they say uh, about what they're doing and why they're doing it i think that's perfectly fine you know especially on the free fringe of people there are a lot of people coming up for the first time there are a lot of people who haven't had time to preview or, or whatever and they're working out a show over the month you know so to turn up on day three and review something that's not even a show yet mm. you know is 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 unfair so mm. so yes just review the shows that are ready review the shows that you enjoy uh, and we don't need a page of one-star reviews in the scotsman you know that doesn't help anybody no. it's quite entertaining well, to read yeah unless you're actually on it but it yeah, doesn't yeah, really yeah. it doesn't really help anybody doesn't you say that i normally go and see some of the one stars do you because just because <laughs> a i want to i want to oh i can't believe i don't believe anything really deserves a one star no like no. i know that sounds really sort of yeah, that's true. optimistic about me but like i think if you've if you paid this amount of money to come here and you've previewed it properly yeah. and i mean that might be an issue but if you previewed it properly yes and you've and you've spent enough time on it and you've you know at least self-aware enough to know what needs work i think everything at the festival should be a two star and above yeah. it just be, it, even by its own you know like i said the amount it costs and the amount of time it takes to get something up here i think you're right i think i i think i saw first saw lewis schaefer on the back of reading a one-star review of one of his shows actually and, and i thought it was brilliant so 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 you're right but i Often it's writers trying to express themselves and their own prejudices mm. rather than actually addressing the show. They have expectations of a show that were never going to be met or with the wrong expectations in the first place. Mm. And so they're measuring the show against expectations rather than what they're actually seeing. In yeah, other yeah. words, they're not going to see the show with an open mind. And, and for someone who works for you know a broadsheet publication or, or a national publication, mm. that's unforgivable. But oh, completely. You know. Yeah, I, mean, I start every show now by just going, uh, can you raise your hand if you've had, seen one show? Right, Laura, if you've seen... Uh, uh, two, three, and just see how many. I had someone in who had seen nine shows yesterday, like uh, two days really? ago. Yeah, and I was like, "You are not going to laugh." No, there's, <laughs> there's just no way. Like it was just giving myself an excuse at the top, but I was like, "What are you running from?" Like there's there's no need to see ten hours of comedy in a day. <laughs> 10 hours of comedy. Could you, imagine, could you imagine sitting watching 10 hours of Friends in a day or whatever, you oh know, sitcom God. you like? You know, it's like, by the end of it, you're not laughing. You're just, you're just plowing through it because you think you've got to get to the end of the series. <laughs> I felt really bad for the guy. I've done five, I mean, review, six. <laughs> six shows, I think, is my limit, I think. And that was too many. That's six too many, 20, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like they should put that in reviews. I feel like they should say, this was show five of six of the day or whatever. Yeah. And I got a text before telling my dog died. That's why I was horrible. <laughs> 
Because you don't mention how you're feeling before the show. You don't mention you haven't eaten since 9am. That's right, that's right. But, we, you, you know, you shouldn't bring that to to the review. Which is why I got involved with uh, Finch Pick a few years ago. Yeah, because, because that was very much reviewing reviewers. And Finch mm. Pick reviewed me as a reviewer. Yeah, I saw that. Slated me. Yeah. And I read it and thought, that's actually, that's so well written. Even though they're slagging me off, that's really funny. You mm. know, I'd like to get involved. And that's how I got involved with that. And I really stopped being a reviewer from that point. Um, because Liam Malone, who ran Fringe Pig, said, you know, this is not having a positive effect on the Fringe. You're these negative, badly written reviews are undermining the Fringe. And I and I sort of buy that argument. I really do. I think there's a place for good criticism and a place for well-researched criticism, but not for a free publication handing out one or two star reviews about shows they don't understand. You know? well, let's, well, let's start there then. Let's go from, mm. like, what publications do you read and write in terms of reviews? We'll go with the positives, not the ones you don't rate. Well, uh, I, I don't know about publications. There are certain writers I enjoy reading, but that's not necessarily to say that I agree with everything they say. No, of course, that's fair, because, you know, um, you're, you're, you're backing the jockey, not the horse, you know, like, yeah. Uh, but, but, but even, I, I mean, I enjoy reading Claire Smith at The Scotsman. Having said that, there were a couple of reviews she wrote a couple of years ago, which she and I had heated discussions and debates <laughs> over. But overall, I, I like her tone. It's not about her, it's about the show, and uh, and I enjoy that. I also enjoy reading her features writing. I think she's an excellent writer. Okay, so she's the one to look out for in your mind? She's the one I go to. Okay, yeah. okay. So Sorry, Copstick. Okay, <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't going to mention any other reviews of that. Oh, I like Cape Copstick. I get on. I get on very well with Cape Copstick socially, but she, you know, I d- you know disagree with her as much as I agree with her writing. It's quite mm. caustic. It's just that, as she would admit, you know, she has things she likes and things she yeah. doesn't, and she has her own agenda. I don't think that's the correct approach. Personally, I think you should go into any show with n- with a completely open mind mm. and address what you see on the stage, and not bring anything else into it. But that's, that's almost impossible to do as a person because you bring your entire life baggage to every kid's situation, surely. Well, it is, imp- it is possible because you're not talking about you. You're talking about your response to a thing that's happening in front of you. And mm. if it's a good show, you know, if it's a good show, then that should be the focus of your writing. It's not, it's, you know, as a reviewer, it's not about you. It, it really, really isn't. I can't say this strongly enough. It's not about the reviewer. It's about the performer. Do you ever, do you ever read back any reviews you've done? Yes. Okay, because I could feel it in your voice, but I didn't want to... Oh, my word. Well, I first got into reviewing. I came up to Edinburgh just after my 21st birthday for the Fringe and stayed, okay? That's basically as you can when you're 21 years old, right? And then a couple of years in, I thought, actually, I can't afford to see half of what I want to see. A mate of mine was running a magazine called Scott's Gay Magazine. Mm -hmm. So I said to him, look, can you get me a press pass so I can go and see all these shows for free? Mm -hmm. He did, and I did, and I started writing reviews, having had no training, Mm -hmm. didn't know anything about anything. Luckily, it was the days before the internet, so you can't read any of this shit anyway. Okay, I mean, and good. Have they not done because like some some pi- uh, newspapers have like taken all their archive stuff and put it online? If they have, I certainly won't be drawing attention to it. Okay, fine. fine. <laughs> Don't Google that now, Don't everyone. Don't Google that because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's terrible. I mean, oh, I did not know what I was talking about. And so I learned to review on the job, you know, by doing it a lot. Mm. And, you know, in the days before social media, in the days before the internet, you've got the space and the time to do that because mm. nobody's kind of coming back to you and mm. saying, you know, what's this rubbish? It doesn't, nothing went viral, you know. Mm. The phrase hadn't even been invented at the time. Mm. So, so yeah, so I, I did that for a number of years. Years later, I found myself editing the publication and running 
having a 30 strong reviews team uh, it was at that point I thought actually I'm not seeing any shows I'm just yeah, doing admin now yeah. <laughs> yeah. so uh, so I left Scots Gay went to Broadway Baby was their comedy editor for three years I was then poached by Fringe Pig worked for them for three years uh, Fringe Pig is no more uh, Broadway Baby's still around so uh, Scots Gay uh, <laughs> whilst all that was happening I've been running a podcast of interviews mm-hmm. for the last five six years yeah Union Jack Radio said see that podcast you're doing do you fancy putting it on the radio and I said give me some money and they said here have some money and I said okay I'll do whatever you want yeah yeah. (laughs) you know I've got another friend who's doing a show on Union Jack and he said that uh, and I don't know if you've experienced this and I can take us out if you don't want me to talk about it but he said that he gets slightly worried about telling people what station it's yes. on since Brexit absolutely Absol- and I get worried about what station it's on in Scotland um, so the first thing I did was recruit a very Scottish co-host mm. <laughs> you know? I can imagine yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know because it, it, you know to, to have an English person standing in Scotland hosting a show on Union Jack Radio it, you know the optics aren't great are they so I, I can, can I use the term optics in radio probably yeah. not but Yes, so, uh, yes, it's it comes from Jack FM, which is an Oxford-based station. Somebody had the bright idea, right, we're going to go national guys. We're called Jack FM. What should we call ourselves? Union Jack. They're, they're not, it's not Brexit FM. It's more Mr. Bean than Mr. Farage. I, I can imagine the title of that radio station sometimes divides. And, uh, and, and yeah, no, it's, I mean, I, I've listened to his show on it and I've listened to your stuff on it and it's, I think the problem is that it's the triggerness of the of the relationship people have with words now. Yes, is that you know, if, especially in the current climate of where Brexit's going and, and all that sort of stuff. So I wondered how that affected you and how that affected how you put together the show. I'm going to be very very honest with you because that's the only way I can do it. There are regular guests of mine who I've had on on my podcast every year <laughs> that have not done it this year because it's made for Union Jack Radio. Interesting. So, um, but do they know it's just Jack FM Union? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's okay. just they, they, they don't want <coughs> to be associated with something called uh, Union Jack Radio. Gee, that surprises me. It, they, they, yeah, and, 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 and it's some of the bigger names. Actually, some of the bigger names are the more sensitive. I can imagine that because the bigger, especially, and this is something I want to talk to you about in terms of Broadway Baby and, and clickbait and that society that was coming in, mm-hmm. a bit more as you were kind of leaving into moving to Fringe Pig, and I imagine... Let's talk about that in a sec. It's it's if you're a bigger name, your name sometimes becomes SEO. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it, it becomes something right. that people might t- just search for, and they're not even looking for an article about you. They're just looking for your name, and you want the click as a publication because that's how you make your money. So I can imagine why if you're I, I don't want, well let's let's pick a you know uh, uh, Russell Kane for example, right? Let's if you're him who you know has a name that would would get a lot of traffic in general, you might not want your name coming up next to. Union Jack, even if with a little bit of digging and a moment's knowledge, you know it's not him on a right wing or whatever it would be. Well, to, to yeah. be clear, I haven't approached Russell Kane. And oh, he, so I wasn't uh, trying but, to but, throw but, him but, under but, the bus but, at but all. But you're no, absolutely no. spot on. It's um, just he's my I've, namesake. So I've, I've, had, I've had a, uh, I've had a, uh, I've had a uh, chat with a very well-known comedian who is a friend, actually, uh, who I've known for many years, who always comes on the show. And she said, I understand what Union Jack is, but people Googling me won't mm. understand what that is you yeah. know which is exactly the point you made so yeah, yeah. so 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 I'm you know I'm sorry Martin but I'm, I'm not gonna do it luckily when I put the word out to get 
comedians to interview, it was massively oversubscribed yeah, anyway. Sure. <laughs> you know, we were looking for 100, we got around 150. So yeah. we, we didn't have any issues. And, okay. and I got my interview with Basil Bush, which is one that I really oh, wanted. Nice. I met Basil. Oh my God. Nice work. Oh, it's I nice. Can retire now. Oh my God. It's, I got an email from a person who I can't name until it's been confirmed who who complimented my podcast and has asked they asked to come on and when someone you really like and, w- and would be like on your top 10 dream guests emails you oh it's like oh the last seven years are worth it <laughs> like the amount of times I've sat late at night editing something and thought no one's listening to this bollocks why am I doing it why am I doing it what's going on and then you go oh no actually they might have listened to it it's quite nice I did um, Simon Munnery last year and he'll, he'll be on this year as well and mm. when Simon Munnery compliments you on something you've done Mm. you're like no you don't compliment me you're Simon Munnery yeah, you know, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. you're the you're, you know, you're, yeah. you're a bloody genius you know yeah. so yeah it's nice when things like that happen. yeah it's we, I, it's a it's a it's a very small I mean for my, for this podcast the audience is I would call big but small do you know what I mean like because the, the community of the industry is mm-hmm. quite small in general yes. but this tends to hit most of it which I quite like and as a result I forget that people are listening sometimes and I just sort of you know what I mean the only way I can do this job is by forgetting people are listening yeah, yeah. I often ref- I always refer to the listener I assume it's that it's just one person listening your son you know <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, I mean, yeah so, so next dear listener you know if I start to think about actually what the listenership is I, w- I'd, I wouldn't be a- that's why I'm a uh, I work in radio and I'm not on stage I couldn't go on stage mm. and, and do what comedians do what they do it's incredible yeah anyone who can stand up on stage and say anything and do anything and make people laugh has my deepest respect mm. i think it's always a wonderful thing and it's just something that i cannot do nor have any desire to do i just admire those that do i th- i have the same thing for other forms of art mm. i couldn't i was watching a street performer the other day and i said i was with someone that you know they're just walking somewhere and i said i couldn't do a show just on the street like that it just no. I, I it there's something about the openness of it, it the, takes balls doesn't it yeah, yeah yeah and like to to bring the crowd in to keep them yeah. entertained to, to get over the noise bleed of everything around you don't get me wrong you know they're hit and miss you know a lot of the time and I live in London where I go to Covent Garden fairly regularly and you see really good ones and you see really fucking awful ones <laughs> But I still respect them both ways. It's, it's the same reason why, you know, uh, I respect a lot of um, of other, like, general jobs. Mm. You know, like, st- staff at venues and stuff. I give yes. them as much respect as I can because yes. the way they deal with the public and the way they yes. deal with, like, complaints and things, I, could, I couldn't do it. The hardest job I ever had was my least well-paid one, and that was working uh, very long shifts in a night, um, you know, without a break for ages, behind a bar, collecting glasses. Did that for several years, and I've never worked harder. I've never been paid less. Anyone who does anything in hospitality, you know, those those are the people that are working mm. hard here. You know? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I feel like I have to constantly remind performers: just say <laughs> yes. something nice to yes, people exactly. in the venue. Exactly, because yeah. you know, because some comedians, when they're off stage, can be. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, I said you could swear, but don't worry about it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We have, one of the nice things about working at Union Jack, actually, is that they're very hands-off in terms of creative decision-making. One of the things about the Edinburgh Fringe, as you know, it is quite cutting-edge and it is quite Mm. sweary. And there are opinions expressed that can offend people. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we put a trigger warning out at the beginning. Mm. You may hear opinions that you disagree with. You will hear strong language and adult stuff. And and we can say what we like. We've actually 
a couple of nights, I don't know when this is going out, uh, we're actually going to be playing a clip from Derek and Clive, you know, Peter, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Peter Cook, Dudley Moore, uh, something mm-hmm. called The Critics, which is essentially just a string of swear words for oh, three wow. minutes. It's the most astonishing, it's hilarious. The reason we're playing it is I interviewed Phil Nickel, who oh, got Phil, arrested yeah. on a virgin train for swearing, and he said, I wasn't swearing, I was just singing Derek and Clive. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so we've got some context to it. Mm-hmm. And of course, the, you know, the record was put out by Richard Branson on Virgin mm. Records, so there's yeah, a nice yeah, little oh, that's really nice. circle. So, so I'm looking forward to hearing Derek and Clive on the radio. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, it, it yeah, doesn't yeah. get played very often. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure ever actually, because yeah. it's so. So it's not. They, they're very, very. They're lovely. You know, for all it's sometimes challenging because of the name. Mm. They're absolutely lovely, lovely to work for. And I speak to others who work for other broadcasters who who have to deal with interference. I've had none of that. It's yeah. been terrific. They've just. Oh, I I would certainly work with them again. And it they have got quite an exciting future plan. They want to become sort of the radio version of Dave. Okay. And the new comedy director is also the director of the Leicester Comedy Festival. Um, oh, uh, uh, Jeff Brown. That's right. Oh, I so didn't know he was. Okay, that's so what the job was. It? So Jeff is so is is uh, has got some exciting plans. It's great to be part of it. So, can you hear how into Edinburgh we both are at this early stage of the festival? As I said, we're only four or five days in at the time of recording, and I'm really enjoying how much the festival is moulding a lot of our views in this podcast and is also shaping our discussions. I'm really enjoying reflecting on what mattered to me during August and clearly what mattered to Martin, and the diversions and offshoots on the conversation that we were having clearly shows what we were thinking about. I hope that you're getting loads from this. I think if you're going to Edinburgh and want a review or some sort of coverage, this really gives you some inside track. Now it's time for the mid-roll ad. Don't forget that while it's playing, you still have time to give us a review, ideally five stars, or potentially a four star that reads like a five would be just as good, or a donation either on PayPal or a regular one on Patreon. It only takes 30 seconds to do, and you can zone out the advert while you do it. How exciting would that be? You give back to this community of people that are giving you absolutely amazing content, and you don't even have to listen to the advert. We all like to miss adverts. Here's your mid-roll. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. 
And we're back! Quick reminder that I am doing Perth and Adelaide Fringe next month, and I'm doing Wellington and Dunedin in March 2020, with my award-winning sellout five-star review 2019 show. Every room becomes a panic room when you overthink enough. If you live in any of these places, please do come and watch, and if you can bring friends, or if you don't live there and you know friends that do, please tell them about the show. I would really appreciate any and all support you have to offer, as this is the biggest, both in terms of scale and in terms of cost thing that I have ever done in my comedy career. So any help you can give me would be massively appreciated also the second dog friendly comedy night in london is happening next weekend that's saturday january the 18th in london at the bloomsbury theater from 6 to 8 p.m and if you want to bring your pup to a show in glasgow i'll be doing some dog friendly comedy nights in glasgow at the glasgow comedy festival every sunday of the festival that's the 15th 22nd and 29th of march uh, i won't be there my good friend kimmy Loughton will be covering for me at those shows however they're still going to be amazing and and I really have absolute faith in her and in the project itself. So if you would like to come and watch some absolutely outstanding comedians perform with their dogs, and you can bring your dog as well, check out the link in the show notes. Let's dive back into the podcast. Mm, yeah, definitely. R- Radio is a weird one in, the, in that it's... Um I, f- I think I think it's getting a bit of a resurgence thanks to podcasting. I think mm-hmm. I think personally Absolutely. I find it much more interesting than TV a lot of the time because your mind has to do a lot more of the work, which I think is a good thing. Yes, you know, I mean, I understand mindless just. Work. I watch YouTube a lot, you know. I love the mindless just, just throw colours at me and whatever. But <laughs> often I go on a walk and stuff, and I just yes. want, I, I can't sort of stay reading, so I like I have a book on or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah, in in the car or when you're out jogging or whatever, you know, a podcast or a radio show it is magnificent, and a lot of radio for output is great but a lot of it mm. I, I I like the problem with Radio 4 is that you make you know this more than anyone mm. you know you, 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 you there's a good show in Edinburgh four years later Radio 4 <laughs> will broadcast it in a half hour shot mm. what, what, what slot what I want to see uh, as doing is there's a good show in Edinburgh let's put it on the radio now I want to hear it tonight I want to hear it tomorrow not in four years time once mm. a bunch of producers have kind of mangled it yeah, yeah so, totally. so that's what I'd like to see Radio uh, Union Jack doing you know more instant live comedy wow we've just discovered this good show around the corner at this little free fringe venue we're going to put you on air tomorrow that's my ambition i think that the only problem with that is is that you know obviously comedy is such a can be such a visual medium it could be slightly hard for certain mm. acts but yes i do know what you mean it's i think that and it's gonna I, i'm sure some people are going to give me an email immediately after this but the netflix special it was a great thing at the start and now it just feels like they're just pumping out very similar shows mm. with very similar voices yes. and even though they might look different or change you know sort of their their dress or whatever it is i i'm just i'm not interested in a lot of them I, the, the, there's a style of comedy that seems to suit television which is more observational yeah. It's the Michael McIntyre brand, which is fine. Which like is it's fine. funny. I'm not criticising the actual. St- I just think but, I want to see something much more. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. There's much, much more yeah. to comedy than that, and yeah. and you know, and even if you know that's going to have less of an audience, even if it's more niche, you know, people. But Simon Munnery should have his own TV show. It is absolutely. I cannot believe that someone like Simon Munnery, who is been at the cutting edge of stand-up comedy for 30 years does not have his own TV show and it's because his face doesn't fit his style of comedy isn't doesn't quite fit you speak to any comedian and you go who who and they'll they'll all say Simon Munnery mm. no I, I the issue I think as well is I mean it's not even a it's not even a risk-taking I think a few years ago we've argued it's a risk-taking thing for TV industry to, to not pay people in and I, and I might be wrong I mean I've interviewed a few people on this and it's my extrapolation of mm-hmm. what they're saying I think it's at a stage where uh, there is too much disconnect between the TV industry and the live circuit. Yes. And so I think what happens is is that the ones with the most budget or the ones with the agent with the most 
clout mm -hmm. or even if they've just been friends for 20 years and now they've got the friend in the thing they drag them down they say come check this person out and they go oh this should you know this will actually fit in or mm, this is actually us taking a risk because it's you know whereas they haven't actually spent like you have watching six shows a day or whatever it is they've just come over from the tv festival and watched two now i might be wrong in that there might be people actually doing that and seeing more but if there are, I mean, like, you know, I ask around and say, hey, is anyone in? Is it, you know, people who are checking their ticket sales and stuff. And maybe, they, maybe they're actually buying tickets. Maybe they're not doing the comp thing and people don't know what they look like. But I... I I would love to see more experimental comedy on TV, and I would. And, and you say it's a smaller audience. I think the only reason for that is because if you look at how each generationally there was sort of a, a, a predominant type of comedy that did well. Yeah. You know, like Monty Python. You know, then you wouldn't have maybe had uh, observational. You maybe you know that would have yes. been popular, but it wouldn't have been you know in like the slapsticky type you know bottom stuff. And yes. You know, so you've got little phases. It's because it comes in waves and troughs, and you can't just have the wave. Yes. And yes. now even with more TV and online, you should have more capacity to put more out. Well, there is more capacity. It's just that they're targeting comedians, perhaps of a certain age. You know, they're looking for something new and fresh. They're not interested in someone who's been doing the circuit for 30 years. Which is a horrible thing because they're better. Yes. Yes. I mean, I'm sorry. Because they've been doing the per circuit for 30 years. Yeah. Yes. I mean, well, <laughs> exactly. not all of the ones who've been doing the circuit for 30 years. <laughs> but, but it's true. But as a general rule, I mean, and, and, and no offence to any of my friends who are listening to this who have done, you know, five years or less or 10 years or less or whatever in comedy, you're just not as good as somebody who's been doing it 30 years. And, and yes. if you, I feel like you have to admit that to yourself as a performer. Yes. If, I, I, if I had a TV hour, it would be Simon Munnery, it would be Ivor Dembina, it would be Bridget Christie, it would yeah. be Josie Long, it would be all of these comedians who have been doing it for years mm. and are really really good and who just don't get a sniff I, I pitched that I pitched an idea of that to so I was going to try and get the, you know the old comedian of the year but like people who are older than that yeah. we were going to go with anyone who's like 50 and above are only allowed on this version of Live at the Apollo sorry Josie you're not uh, anywhere like 50 well no, I'm so, I, she's <laughs> been going long enough to do it but you're just not old yes. enough to do it because, yeah. no, because also you get a different perspective on life yeah. you don't have to necessarily always have the ones with kids and marriage and all that stuff because they there's other ways and of also contributing also old people you know. all watch television yeah, they yeah. would love this stuff oh my god yeah yeah I, f I think you. I mean I joked about it the other night because I gave out a mailing list thing and this couple were signing up to it and um, the woman signed up to it and then the man took it and was about to and she said oh no I've signed up for it and I said oh no you might break up this year you can sign up separately <laughs> just just in like a jokey way because <laughs> they'll definitely want to come separately to the show next year do you know what I mean like um but it's the same thing where you just where you think to yourself, you know, you, 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 I'm courting a younger audience because yes. I think they'll be around for as long as I will. But also, older audiences love my comedy. And also, Simon Munnery is popular across the board. Yeah, you know, it's like Simon Munnery did Glastonbury. You know, a bit like Jamie Corbyn. People have been chanting, chanting his name because he's good. And and young people don't he just like watch. No, he wouldn't. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but 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 young people don't just watch young people, and no. that's that's the patronising assumption from oh, yeah. TV programs is like, oh no, young people won't engage with that because they're over 30. Yeah. Young people would love someone like Simon Munnery, oh, yeah. you know, you know uh, everybody, you know, there's something in there for everybody, because well, he's, he's good. Beck Hill tweeted something a little while ago, it was about three or four months ago now, where she said just a gentle reminder, the reason you don't see as many females on TV is because commissioners think you don't want to see females on TV. Let them know you do if you do, mm -hmm. or something like that. Mm -hmm. and, and it reminded me, it was a bit like, that is 
probably got a ring of truth to it. Mm -hmm. I'd say it has less of a ring of truth to it now as I think there are quotas and things in certain channels and there are also agendas on channels to make sure that they think like they're trying I feel like some places are trying to start now to be on the right to quote unquote the right side of history yes whereas historically they weren't actually giving a shit mm. like it's a weird one because of the change in you know so like if you look at Corbyn's track record I've got issues with Corbyn but let's just talk about him as a general hero for now um, <laughs> he uh, he has a general track record of voting a good way in my opinion yes. you know for pro rights of a lot of people yes right whereas you look at it now there are some people who are doing it but I think mainly well, because they realise that they're going to get called out for it otherwise they're late to the party but they're at the exactly. party now so fine. Yeah, I'm not criticising being late to the party but I am criticising like you know just just maybe 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 make it clearer why you're doing it yes being more transparent even if you're doing it because you think now I should be trying to do it for Yes. You know, quota reasons or, or business reasons. Yeah. Just be honest about it. Yeah. I've got no issue with, you know, uh, I spoke to a friend love, uh, a couple of nights ago, I will keep nameless because I'm assuming they won't want this going out as themselves. But they said, I know I'm not going to get the award. Like, yeah. we, we all know that white men are not going to win an award this year because we had our time five, six years ago. We know how it's going to go. And I said, first of all, it seems very defeatist because, frankly, they can offer anyone it still. Like, it's not a quoted, like, award mm. for not white men. It's but not ITV. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. it's not a thing. <laughs> but it's not ITV. No. <laughs> but 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 what I've, sorry you don't want to get me started on the ITV thing. But what I am saying is that there's a um, it has an agenda. Yes. Every award has to have an agenda because it's got a criteria, and so and that can change every year, and the judges change every year, and their zeitgeist change every year. And I think it's more you know. I was speaking to a woman comedian who was nominated for award. Was it last year or the year before? I, and her concern was, am I just here because of a quota? I mean, that's the that's the issue with quotas. That's the you biggest know, problem. With you quotas. know, you see a woman on Have I Got News for You, mm. and some of the audience is going to be thinking they're only there because they have to have a woman on, mm. and that doesn't benefit them. No, it know, hurts so their confidence. Need, yeah, we need yeah. to. We need to. We, well, you know, and they're not actually there because no. they need one they're right there because they're a bloody good comedian so so we need to look at this issue of quotas and mm. we need to th th there has to be representation but i'm not convinced that that sort of approach uh, is the right one the, the one we did with our show this year essentially we'll interview as many people as we possibly can and we've found ourselves reflecting you know in terms of gender balance what the fringe is mm. accidentally you know without having to have a quota and that's mm. good there are a lot of uh, women comedians up here this year you know the, mm. the, 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 the ratio between men and women is, is, is quite mm. healthy this year it's not 50-50 but it's it, it, it's pretty healthy but what we did notice is that we, we sort of we didn't sort of program the show over the month we sort of threw all the names up into the air and so who dropped more or less and there was one more, uh, episode that went out which was all women and people noticed it was just you know but, but and it was like you know the, the, they didn't mention it when mm. it was all men no no <laughs> but this but this is this is i think so i read I, i've read several books recently about equality and feminism and stuff and the, the big one that stood out to me was called invisible women and it's about the data gap between men and women and how most things are designed with only data from men which is why a lot of women feel uncomfortable generally in life and it's only just sort of coming through on that and i had a whole chapter about quotas and a lot of it was just saying you know in every area of life from you know engineering to arts every time a quote is done it's had a very short-term impact in terms of representation and then a long-term damage how people perceive women and a lot of it is stuff you just said there where it's questioning am i only here for a quota yeah tokenism exactly uh, uh, have i earned this uh, are people going to be annoyed at me for not earning this have i taken it away from someone who has earned this at, at the stage where i've moved into you know like cause at a certain point when you do a couple of panel shows you might get you know they have you in their list of panel show people it's a bit like am i at the bottom of the list because i only got in in that way you know all these sort of questions in your mind that you don't need when you're you've got tv cameras on your face yes. and you, you've got your 
trying to make everything joyful. I, I love, I, honestly, I would love to see more female voices. I'd love to see more people of color. The, the amount of times, you know, I've sort of got to a stage where it's more a, a, a people of color situation. I, I don't see enough of them on TV. And like, I, I saw a really good tweet. Someone tweeted something like, I want to have more uh, women of color on my Twitter like, timeline. And I was going through like their the suggestions. Just as, I know how this makes me sound like, oh, I'm just trying to be progressive. It just popped up. It wasn't even You're like, so I was woke, I, Simon. No, I so hate woke. that phrase. Oh, please don't get me started on that phrase. It's a horrible phrase. But, but the thing is, is that like, we should be trying to take in more voices and we should be listening more. And I understand that. But I, don't, I just think the way TV in particular are going about it is actually doing more damage. I, I think so. I, 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 I agree. I agree with that. But nevertheless, it needs to be addressed. Oh, completely. But yeah, the, yeah. the reason I, d I suppose I don't go on about it is that I don't actually have the answer. You know, no, I've got no, to be no. honest. I just don't think the, uh, you know, someone saying, right, we're ha not having any more male-only panel shows anymore was the wrong approach because then some of the audience, as soon as they see a woman, oh, that's their no yeah, male-only policy it's not and they're not yeah, there exactly. on merit. Well, actually, usually they are there yeah, on merit. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just to announce that in that way oh, makes it look like it's a token yeah. when, when it isn't. So, so I, I think a female friend of mine said to me, uh, first of all, they said, I didn't know ITV did comedy, so that's, you know, enough I didn't. Thing. No. Do, do ITV do comedy? Uh, apparently, but I, I imagine... They have this thing called Love Island. Is that comedy? That's comedy. Yeah, that's it's shit, but it's comedy. <laughs> uh, but but she, she said, I if I had a script now, I wouldn't send it into them because if they did make it, exactly what you said there, yeah. I would worry that my peers and the people watching it would be like, it's because no one else sent anything else in yeah. or because it was... Or even they would judge it harsher because they'd be sitting there going, right, well, let's see what this woman... And you don't... And same with reviewers coming into a show after nine shows. You don't want them going in with a with a preconception of what you're doing you want them to be as clear as they can and so and also like the, the commissioner there has been commissioning for a while you could have done this at any point like why why now you're, you're saying it's you're saying it like it's our fault like for applying for oh, equally I've uh, uh, yeah and this will probably get me into trouble but yeah I, I interviewed a, a woman comedian uh, the other day and I said so what's your show about and she said well you know I'm a woman and my show's about being a woman <laughs> And, and, and <laughs> I mean, no. If that, I, I, to be fair, if that's your show, fair play. You know, it's it's it's, it's absolutely fine because there's enough men doing a show about being a man. Yes, so it's, yes, it's, but it's, but equally, if a man said, "I'm a man." <laughs> I need a little bit more and, and you know what is it you're trying to say mm. and, and I think I think we all need to look beyond our own uh, immediate identities or, mm. or what, or what I'm, I'm saying this a little bit clumsy but you know if you're if you're an openly gay man do you only want to talk about being openly yeah, gay on stage yeah. or do you want to talk about other shit as well yeah, other, yeah. do you want to talk about other stuff as well swearing's fine <laughs> <laughs> so I love how you're censoring it. It's like the yes. internet's going to tweet you and go, because of my own interview, but you're swearing. <laughs> on my own show, we F and Jeff all the way through it, you see. Yeah. So, uh, so, so, there's a. Yep. So, so you can't use uh, substitute words. It's either the word not. or not. You can't say F and Jeff or the F word or whatever. Okay, no, no. You have to say I, I fuck or say not. Fuck yeah, that's not. the rule okay. on this one. So, so, <laughs> so these stupid cunts. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 so I'm more interested, and I think yeah, there is a place, of course, for, you know, an openly gay man to talk about predominantly their yeah. gay experience of course there is but what's more interesting to me is it someone who takes that experience makes it relatable and also talks about other things and says I am more than just this thing I'm more than just my immediate identity there is much more going on that's more that's much more interesting to me yeah I mean every person has several facets to it and and sexuality happens to be one I understand why is s a letter 
straight like is that I, I don't think it is in the in the, in, the, in, the, in the no no in the in the I'll just google is lesson ladies and gentlemen competition in the in the lgbt so you've got the lgbt which covers all of the other ones is is s now like a letter of like not being part of that group because no because if okay i just wondered whether that's it's the, the only thing. letter that isn't there if you if yeah, yeah. I, I, do you know fisky and manish I do, yeah. They do a brilliant sh- song called LGBTQI, oh, and yeah. it goes through the entire alphabet. Oh, nice! Uh, and it's it's just a brilliant satire on right. on this. You know, in in an effort to be inclusive, you know, rightly, yeah. you know, the gay community is now tying itself up in knots, yeah. trying to include everybody, yeah, and, and adding another letter. Yeah. It's just, you know, come on. Oh no, <laughs> for me, I when I was a kid, it was LGBT. Yeah, like, that's where it stopped. And so for me, like that, an acronym is like PI. You know, like I know three point one four. Yes. But everything after that yes. is just a guess. Like I just got no idea what's happening after that. And like and it's not my fault. It's just I can't I can't, can't keep up with it. You can't be I think LGBT plus is, enough. is fine. Yeah. yeah. LGBTQ plus. Q, see, even that I can't yes. even keep track no, of no, the no, thing. No, 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 but no. it's 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 so frustrating to try and do. Um but no, so I get what you mean about Is there any group we haven't affected we've done women we've and gay people. <laughs> well, um, no, I, do you know what has annoyed me recently? <laughs> it's like I I keep I said I've said this for about four years and recently someone found an old podcast and I was on theirs and they said, Do you still feel like this? And I said, I've never not felt all yes. I want in comedy, right? I don't want I don't want to be famous. Yes. I want to be well known enough that my criticisms are taken seriously and are not discounted as just, oh, he's jaded of another group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like I don't I don't need to be like a TV name or anything. Like, yeah. I mean, it'd be nice to have that as a thing, but like, I just want to fill a room a hundred nights of the year and make enough money to carry on doing it, but also be able to do what Stuart Lee does, which is do an article every now and then and have actually everyone actually respect it rather than because people don't when he does it go, oh, he's just jaded of you know Avalon's axe or whatever. They just take it seriously, and it's like because I'm lower down the pecking order. Do you know what I mean? Like everyone sort of goes, oh, it's because you didn't get that, and it's like no, I'm actually concerned about these quotas affecting. <laughs> people negatively or, or looking is that, is that fair I think it's I think it's I think we can I think it's okay to take the piss out of it as well I, is it I can't remember is it an Ivor Dambina I can't remember who, who said it but they, they rob up on stage and say you know the <laughs> the issue is there aren't enough Jewish people in comedy it's like, well, clearly <laughs> that's not an issue yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, it's like there's not enough birthdays in the year but but that sort of does poke fun at the whole uh, at the whole thing it's uh, it's, fa- it's it's fascinating <laughs> it's a fascinating landscape and i think it'll probably sort itself out i'm quite optimistic about yeah, it same. Uh, it's just some of these clumsy attempts to try mm. and you know i'm trying to think of a suitable metaphor i can't think of one but some of these clumsy attempts to address the issue are well they're just that they're clumsy yeah. and they can backfire so. yeah completely completely and and my i mean we'll get to click back in the last thing i was just going to ask you is my biggest problem there is a certain because co- a lot of comedy is about punching up i think there's a certain element or a certain niche group of comedians who think having a go at what straight white men in particular is punching up and i, and I understand why it can be but there's, there's a certain point where i'm thinking have you seen politics like can you can you have a go at like policies and for, you know it's like having a go at trump for what he looks like instead of what he's doing it just seems like having a go at someone because if you flip yes. that round yes. and i went i'm just gonna have a go at yes. you know gay gay black women or whatever you know like flipping all of them around <laughs> you'd be in yeah you'd be, you'd in, be trouble. in jail exactly yes. well yeah exactly <laughs> so so i understand why and i understand there's a power dynamic there yes. i understand that there's a whole uh, you know i'm not saying that don't understand why you you if you've now been given and you've got more of a platform than ever to say things yes if you're not just those you know straight white male you, you, L- you L- should L- use L- it for more good <laughs> 
Leo Kirst makes this point. He's a right-wing comedian who I disagree with on practically everything. <laughs> I have to say, it's, it's the kind of law when I yeah, mention yeah, yeah. it. But he's also a very, very funny comedian. And he makes the point, he said, you know, people talk about kind of straight white male privilege. He said, you know, where I come from, straight white men are homeless. You know, they, they don't look like they've got a lot of privilege to me. You know, mm. you can't, you can't, any social group, including straight yeah, white yeah, men, yeah. Can, you, you cannot can be, yeah. blanket them like that and say, you know, all straight white men have privilege have a problem because they're not no. and for fairly wealthy black comedians to hmm. slag off straight white men who yeah. have nothing is not punching up that's punching down complete uh, yes but uh, well, alex hilton has a really good joke that i saw him do which was about how uh he's broke but he's middle class broke which basically <laughs> means he can't afford the best brands of pot noodle and and he said it's his fault because yes. like if you're middle class <laughs> broke you've got no excuse yeah you yeah. know like any other you know it's completely uh, it's completely a systematic issue but middle class I had enough safety nets it's all on me yeah, and yeah. and I and I, I spoke to him about it afterwards I was saying you know I, I feel the same way where it's you know like some people have two layers before they've yes. fucked up yes. everything yes. I feel like I have yes. four I, I and I'm that. more aware of that than anything you yes know? yes yeah. yes but but yes it, I mean it's part of it and there is no doubt that overall uh, white people have massive advantages over Completely. most yeah, black yeah. people I get that so and I don't think it's a good a, thing by the way no <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah. I, I, I understand that so I understand why people want to address that kind of white male straight white male privilege however i know it's an awful cliche but you know not all men you know not all white men not all straight I, people i, I, I refuse you know? to say that phrase just it's because <laughs> it's been co-opted by a group that i don't agree with yes but but um, it, it, it but it but it's nevertheless it it, it is true I, and, I, it, and it's it if i'm gonna if i if i i do general male versus female stuff in my shows if i'm gonna attack a, i'm gonna if i'm gonna so like I, I did a joke a while ago about deal or no deal and how if it's random why are they allowed to do a celebrity version because it's for charity money like it seems weird to do that and I specifically named the comedian because I was like I, w I want to make it clear that it's not all the comedians who are doing it it's specifically this one and why and it was a charity that was close to my heart and, right. and so it hurt me um, and it wasn't a dig at the comedian it was a dig at the the process of the show and how they'd got involved into it clearly for publicity because that's what the show's about yes but they but but I, and I wasn't annoyed at them for doing publicity because I think that's fine. But I was annoyed at the the, the machine that would pump out someone and ma and make them try and make them look like the hero in yeah. something that's random. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I had to name them because I don't like the idea of people sort of a walking away and being able to Google it anyway. It was fairly obvious in the first couple of times I did it who it was because they're you know huge. She she got a good sum of money, which is why the charity went mad and it went viral about how well it went. So you know it wouldn't be hard to. But for someone who's lost people to cancer in my family, to watch to watch that show, I didn't watch the whole thing in there because I felt very uncomfortable when I started writing a joke. You know, you can't write a joke and do a TV show. But like <laughs> to watch the randomness of that amount of money that could save lives, yes, I found very offensive. Yes. And, and you know, I think attacking an individual, I, I mean, I wasn't attacking her per se because that's not fair. But to to have a go at a thing is fair. To have a go at a group, yes, is not necessarily. Yes. You know, it's on par with going with gender roles or something. You yes. know, it's like, have you met them all? Yes. If you've met all of them and you've asked every everyone are they all privileged yes then you could probably do it but yeah. yes it, yes absolutely right it, I, I think it's actually bigoted to attack any group of people yeah. and, uh, and assign the same uh, opinions even or, your own or, group or, yeah it, it, yes yeah. absolutely yeah. Uh, it, you know wh wh whether whether whoever they are a and to kind of meet bigotry with more bigotry I don't think is totally no. helpful no not at all
So, so clickbait. Yes. Clickbait. Let's move on to a lighter subject. Something I'm awful at. Oh, okay. I'm really, really bad at it. When I was, uh, when I first started doing interviews at Broadway Baby, uh, the publisher Pete uh, Shaw was always trying to say, no, no, no. When you tweet that, do it in this way mm. or phrase it in this f- in this mm. fashion, and then you know you'll get more clicks. And I, I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> so my tweets always uh, got fewer likes and retweets than everyone else's because I just uh, I said no because I, I'm, I'm that's not what it is I want to be accurate more mm. than but apparently that's not the way it works no, well okay so when you were when you were working for Broadway Baby mm. did they also because I, I think this is an underrated thing that most people don't think about with, with reviews I think they think there's a social media intern tweeting out all no the god no, we no. Do, we, you tweet your own stuff yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I mean, um, yeah. It's actually this year working for a, a, a radio station is the first time someone else is tweeting on my behalf. Right. I've, never, I've never had that before. Is that weird? It's, yeah, at first. Luckily, they're really good at it. So, oh, okay. you know, uh, it, there was a few days of me going, what are they doing? Mm. But yeah, yeah, luckily. Yeah, I don't know. It's a bit like, you know, when you're used to self-service and someone comes mm. and uh, waits on you. Actually, I'd rather just go and help Do myself. myself. Yeah, it's yeah. a bit like that. I'm yeah, a bit control freak. Like yeah, so yeah, <laughs> so 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 yeah, so people yeah, people tweet their own. I didn't like Broadway Baby, and what they stopped is tweeting reviews with to the person who they were reviewing because a lot of people don't want to read the reviews, especially mm-hmm. if it's not a very good review. I think that's a good idea. So 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 they stopped doing that. But this is more about tweeting interviews and trying to get mm. people to read comedians' interviews. And do do people read them? Well, that's it's interesting because I spent ages kind of properly interviewing comedians mm. and then kind of writing up the, you know p- transcribing the interview and then writing the interview up and it took like th- each interview would take like three or four days yeah. which is how I ended up getting into podcasting because mm. you so know, I to record it yeah I just yeah. recorded it and put it out and it was like hang on a minute I've got another three days spare now yeah um, yeah I, it was it was Keith Chegwin of all people actually I interviewed Keith Chegwin and he's just such a happy lovely yeah, chap yeah, yeah. Eh? and I thought how am I going to get this lively happy chat and then why don't I just put out the audio and yeah. that that was episode one of, mm. you know, on the mic, you know, five, six years ago. Yeah. And, and I thought, I'm not doing written interviews anymore. Mm. <laughs> well, this <laughs> this, is, this is the way it works. This is a big reason why I don't send any of the guests the questions ahead of time. Because mm. I think if I'm going to do that, you might as well just answer them and send yes. them back to me. Um, it feels less authentic as a conversation. And everyone's doing Q&As. I mean, yeah. you know, these poor comedians sitting, <laughs> trying to find different ways of answering the same tedious question over and over again. Mm. Now, much more. much. I, I When I interview a comedian and it goes out I actually cut myself out of the interview and so the interview is the comedian excerpts of the stand-up and then more of what they say and, and essentially I'm saying you know don't go to a reviewer go you know go and hear the comedian talk about their own show and listen to some of them perform stand-up and make your mind up on the basis of that um, it's a much better way of doing mm. it I've got I've gone one step further with the time capsule like I've got them to do themselves in the past yeah tell me yeah. about the time capsule. Yeah, have you seen that I get I get <laughs> them your own yeah why not your own show Hello, Sorry. guys. <laughs> As if I haven't already done that on every bloody episode up to this point. So no, no, it's got so many thing. fingers and so many pastries. Yes, yeah, well, it's because one of them will pay off at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. You, you know what I mean? Oh, God, it's awful, isn't it? I'm starting another podcast soon and it's driving me insane. Yeah, I know. Because like, I don't like sleep. That's my problem. I, right. No, it's because I'm insomniac. It's not. I don't like it. Um, but click, click, clickbait, let's take so. Oh, hang on, we're getting thrown out. I think clickbait's ruining the internet, if I'm honest with you. Because, okay. because I, I think it. I think that. Well, I think the, the, the hierarchical problem there is that ads don't pay as much, which means you need more clicks. 
which is where clickbait came from. And I think that's a bigger issue in terms of now reviewing and interviewing. In that, say, for example, you interviewed Big Comedian X. I'm not going to name someone because, you know, it's not worth doing at this point. But Big Comedian X, that is statistically going to get more hits than mine, for example. Just a nice bit of self-deprecating there. But you know that as a journalist or as, as a interviewer, it is almost better to invest in newer people or to or to at least try and trickle down some of that attention to try and a build relationships early but b help elevate them because yes. if you don't interview them then every then yes. it's always going to stay the status quo yes so how do you navigate that with a on the mic and when you be with well, my baby well with the show with the show now we have four or five uh, comedians on every episode we do an hour every night and somebody did ask the question you know do you want to consider a, the social media profile of each of these mm. guests when you're programming deciding who goes out so at least one guest mm. every night should have a strong social media mm. profile so that and I said no I'm not doing that no <laughs> <laughs> that may make sense in every other way except you know I the, the only thing is that I'm not going to have any quotas I'm going to have one musical comedian on to close the show every day but apart from that it's all going to be completely random everyone's going to be get treated the same whether it's the first show uh, the you know the sweet venue or on the free fringe or if they're you know Basil Brush everyone and uh, that, that, that I'm sticking to that now whether that was the right, right decision or the correct decision I don't know but it does I can see why people do that but you're right it is ruining the internet because i see things that may interest me as i'm going through my timeline and i'm not going to click on that because it's mm. obvious clickbait and it might actually be something important mm. i might be missing something that i really do need to know yeah 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 no i i, I wonder just how because uh, I, I was when i spoke to jonathan Put well tom walker mm. about russia today he said the same thing that you were saying about uh, union jack he gets free reign yes and a lot of people thought russia today they're going to be very strict and stern and whatever yeah. and apparently no it's it's no. always the one that you sort of uh well it's uh, the only way they could do it yeah exactly isn't it because you know as soon as someone like russia today starts editorializing you know mm. <laughs> it's not good is it mm. so uh yeah but they he's not been with russia today for oh no no now, but this is back in there yeah. Back in the day, yeah. big big success now for Tom, isn't he? He's oh, yeah, touring yeah. everywhere. He's doing a great time. He's he's a Andrew Dawes done very well out of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's stopped working with Jonathan back in January and has now gone with this kind of woke Tanya. carrier yeah. to Tanya. Hasn't mm. Have you spoken to him about that? Uh, I've got him coming on next week. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Good, yeah, I've known Andrew a little while now. I knew yeah. I knew him just before I got to know Tom and like you know we gigged together, not like best mates or anything, but like yeah. Fun he's fact. Very good guy. Fun fact. I directed a compilation show featuring four comedians back in the day at the Canal Cafe Theatre in London and. Andrew Doyle was on the list and he it was the first time he performed stand-up so yeah, I actually nice. directed his first that's really time cool. of stand-up which was nice. many many years ago it was a playwright that had done a show called Shamlet okay. which is a brilliant piece of satire yeah. on on, uh, on on Shakespeare do you get any credit for Titania like a little bit of a <laughs> <kick> <laughs> no 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 this was no. years yeah, okay, years okay. years ago and Andrew was a very different comedian than he is oh, yeah, now of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but uh, yeah it's it's good to see him being I don't always necessarily agree with everything no, you know but he has to say to but, but I don't I, I quite like listening to yeah. as a bit of an old school lefty I mm. quite enjoy going to see a right wing right, comedian yeah, yeah. And, and just laughing at myself and yeah. laughing at you know completely some of them 
I can't sit through, but some of them I'll go and see. And and to be honest with you, I have more of a good time than when I'm yeah. being preached to by another yeah. lefty. Yeah. Because it sort of feels, and that's, oh, that makes me sound like, the, like you said, the woke crap head or whatever. <laughs> but no, but genuinely, I, I laugh harder when yes. someone points out to me that I'm being, you know, sort of a self-righteous white knight or whatever. Yes. Than when, than when yes. someone sit, than when someone else goes, isn't it great that we're moving forward? And I'm like, it is great, but be funnier. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, funny. Yeah. You know? It's a Stuart Lee line, isn't it? Did, did you laugh? No, but I agreed to the fuck out of it. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, Whereas, no, I'd much rather. I, so, and I think a lot of people on the left really need to regain their sense of humour and yeah. actually start seeing, you know, people who they disagree with, you yeah. know, the old echo chamber and thing and all of that. We need to get out of that. This the thing is like, look, here's the thing. If you don't want to listen to or you don't want to read right wing news, I understand that because some of it seems Agreed. very toxic and horrible. Yes. But right wing comedy yes. is just a well it's not just a bit of fun but it is accessible if you're not agreeing with what they're saying yes because you, yes. you should still be able to watch you know like I, I've seen I've seen I'm not actually more going to name comedians but I've seen comedians say things that I would on if we were just chatting now I would call them out and be quite abhorrented by it yes but they've said things that because it's on and because it's in the caveat of a performance yes I've laughed at and I thought and it made me think about why I would have been outraged if it was in another context and yes and it's helped me you know sort of do that and I prefer that I think the stage gives you license to say pretty much anything you like. Yeah, completely. You know, I mean, the, yeah, pretty much. No, if, look, if you if you want to go on stage and say something abhorrent, yes. I can't stop you and I wouldn't stop you. Yes. But however, you know, you've got to be aware that, you know, it's a bit like... The well, the audience is the judge, isn't it? You know, if you say something like that and the audience just sit there going, what the who the yeah, what yeah, this yeah, guy? Totally. You know, they don't say it again because they're not getting any laughs. Completely. That's the way comedy works. It, it? It's the there, there's a Scottish comedian who a couple of years ago was... Um, uh, accused, alleged to have been sending dick pics to uh, other comedians. I'm aware of this person. And yep. uh, it was on the cover of several yep. national newspapers and I was offered an interview with him and I said, well, you know, one of the people he was allegedly sending dick pics to was one of my mates. So I don't really want to be promoting his show. However, if he's happy to talk openly about, you know, I'm not censoring him. If he ha he's happy to, if he's happy for me to ask him questions about this and talk openly about it, I'll still have him on the show. You know, that's my approach uh, to that sort of thing. I would yeah. have Louis C.K. on my show yeah, as long as he would yeah, exactly. ask questions yeah. and I would put him next to the plot pant and say, how do you feel? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you and, and what's your side of it? But do you actually think your side yeah. matters right now? I, I, and, yeah. and people, li the listener can make up their own mind. Yeah. So, so I'd, I'd interview, I, you know, I've interviewed uh, Jim Davis several times mm. you know I don't have a problem no 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 I, f but I think that's a good interview oh, it's like the Louis Farid thing you know he doesn't agree with 90% of the people he has on his mm -hmm. documentaries but he does a good job of challenging them yes. and giving them the opportunity and I don't think he edits it in the Michael Moore way where yes. you know it's it's very much his agenda is in it yes, um, yes. and I think that's why Louis Farid does so well yes. just because as an interviewer he is uh, open to hearing about yeah unfortunately the Scottish comedian I was referring to earlier what didn't agree to no, uh, me so, so he wasn't on the show you know, and then I was accused of censorship because I well know. But the problem <laughs> is, you can't come out back from that anyway. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. no way of yeah. going. I didn't censor him because what's the you know whatever. Um, I I know we're we're about to run out of time because we're going to move on. But I'm going to quickly ask you the last uh, quick fire questions, and mm -hmm. um, you let me know uh, what your answers are. <laughs> Obviously, that's how this works. Um, what is one unpopular opinion you have about the comedy industry? Mm. <laughs> that we've not already covered. Uh, yeah, I was going <laughs> to say. I think we've covered that. Have we not? I don't want to see more comedy on television. I don't think comedy belongs on television. I want people to leave their houses and go and see live live shows. I half agree. Let's talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> what is the biggest mistake you've ever made, and how did you overcome it? In terms, what in my whole life? And it, I keep it open. 
So okay, because oh I think personal God. and professional blend so much of everyone. I, but, you know, I was going to say, do you want a top ten? But I've probably got a top one hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Biggest mistake. There's so many. I, 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 I wouldn't know where to start. I probably. Okay, I'll be very honest with you. The biggest mistake in my life, it, it all worked out in the end because we're married now. But, uh, you know, and I'm sorry, this is no one's business, but my, me and my then girlfriend, you know, I, we split up. And for several years, I thought she's the one that got away. I really miss it. Finally, we got back together and we got married. But for several years, that was the biggest mistake of my life. That's really boring, that's but that's my, honest, no, no. that's my honest answer. That's a cute answer. It was, it was great we got back together yeah. in the end. Um, Hi, Kate, if you're listening. <laughs> who do you think is the most underrated person in the comedy industry? Simon Munnery, <laughs> without question. Yeah, well, not underrated by you, obviously. <laughs> I, 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 actually, I, I know you have a lot of comedians on, and I've heard other comedians on your show give the same answer. I think, okay. I, but, but, but yes, if you ask comedians who their, their unsung hero is, the biggest influences, then Simon Munnery comes up time and time again. He should be a permanent fixture on TV and in another age you know, he would be, he'd be a household name. Mm, definitely. Who was the first person to believe in you? Probably my wife. What's one thing you wish you were better at? Spelling. <laughs> <laughs> and last question. If you could give a couple of thousand comedians uh, uh, the best bit of advice about getting more coverage at the Edinburgh Festival, what would it be? Sack your PR and do your own flyering. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for coming on. That was Martin. Oh, I loved hearing his thoughts on quotas. I loved hearing about why he prefers to watch right-wing comedy than left-wing comedy, even though he's an old-school lefty at heart, the future of the fringe, and more. I think Edinburgh is the best place to be every August, but it is pricing so many people out, and I'd argue that it is worth our time to try and rectify this so that art in general doesn't suffer. I've put the petition that I mentioned in the podcast in the show notes so if you can find that link and sign it please do it's got just under 30,000 signatures now which is a significant amount of the comedy industry and the performing arts industry in general saying look this is pricing us out we need help right now so if you can continue to sign that that'd be amazing a quick reminder while you look at that petition also in the show notes you'll find ticket links to see me in Perth and Adelaide next month as well as Wellington and Dunedin in March 2020 with my award-winning sellout five star reviewed 2019 show every room becomes a panic room when you overthink enough i can't emphasize this enough this is the biggest thing i have ever taken on in my comedy career both in terms of scale of tour as well as the cost to my life both emotionally and financially so if you want to support me and you are in any of those cities please do come and see a show. If you can't come to a show, but you live there, share a tweet with your local friends and encourage them to come down. Any and all help would be massively appreciated. Also, the other thing I'm building in the next year is a collection of dog-friendly comedy shows. The second one in London is happening next weekend at the Bloomsbury Theatre on Saturday the 18th of January. It's from 5 to 7pm and it has... I haven't got the lineup confirmed, it's really annoying me. However, I do have a lot of feelers out for some amazing acts and they should be confirmed by the time this episode goes live if they're not i'll be fucking scared because it's a week away when this goes live i'm recording this in early november so just to give you an idea uh right now simon hasn't completed the lineup future simon bloody will have done but he's not going to update this podcast with the information click the link check out the lineup ahead of time i've sorted out the headliner acts for the london dog shows later in the year so april sindhu v is going to be the featured act and sarah pasco is the one for may so if you can come 
come down to either of those or the first one please do the lineups are always wicked and you're going to bring your dog dogs and comedy it's my favorite things in the world combined i'm also going to be doing three shows at the glasgow comedy festival that are dog friendly compilation shows i won't be there as i will be in australia and new zealand but my friend kimmy Loughton will be emceeing and taking over the reins for it that's on the 15th 22nd and 29th of march if you can come down bring your pup there's going to be a tennis ball giveaway for good audience members as well as treats for all the best boys and girls in the audience uh, i'm not promising they won't go to humans and yeah it, it's just going to be a great night it's going to be amazing it's not even going to be a night it's going to be from 6 to 8 p.m so it means that you can go on and see another show or you can all hang out afterwards with your dogs whatever you want to do if you've enjoyed this episode and you want more information about how to get coverage for your nights or solo shows i recommend the episode with the londonist about how to get more press from an indie arts magazine in the capital or the episode with ben williams the former comedy editor at time out london and the only reason he's the former editor is because they stopped covering comedy it's a travesty that that's no longer covering it however it's still full of timeless information that will help you with other time out publications if you'd like to support me in any way you can leave us a review uh, five stars ideally or a four star which reads like a five that would be great or you can give us a donation either via paypal or patreon or you can share this link or any links to my shows with friends, family, loved ones, colleagues, co-workers, enemies, whichever one you think will get the most out of it. Absolutely all help to spread word of mouth about this show and about my solo shows is massively appreciated. The Ask the Industry podcast is a fruit that got in gravity's weight production for the internet. All elements are created by me, comedian Simon Kane. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for subscribing. And thank you very much for rating and donating if you do. I'll see you all in about 14 days time. Bye. Unless you come to the dog-friendly night, in which case I'll see you all in seven days' time. Bye! Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.